Welcome everybody to the Swanomy Podcast. I'm your host, Kalif Adams. This is episode 150. I'm joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who makes bourbon and bubble guts look good. <laughs> it is Cicero Holmes. How are you, sir? I am uh, not drinking bourbon today. <laughs> today I have some tree-free Chardonnay. Uh I don't know who that, I don't yo. know that that Chardonnay had trees in it before, but at least my Chardonnay does not have any trees. You sure that wasn't Thank French you. and you just don't know how to pronounce it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or like are they trees that you smoke? Right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, maybe it's it's legal somewhere. So <laughs> I mean, if that were the case, my Chardonnay would definitely not be tree free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm also Joe, my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the man who makes gaming looks good, who makes science look good, who makes math look good, who makes mini froze look good. It is Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you, sir? Good. I'm drinking tree-free ginger ale. <laughs> uh, e- even though the can-, can is green, there's no trees in here. I've confirmed it. Oh, you know? nice! So like me and C are on the same page here. Ginger root, ginger is kind of like a tree. It could be. Is ginger a spice? Is no, no, no. Ginger, ginger is a root. Is like a root. you've it's never. Like, come on, I mean, to a tree. But so what are they? What are they? What is? What is? Bricago. Somebody let me know. <laughs> My Highland people. Highland we're people. We're the botanists. We're the botanists. Right. So I, I mean, I did. I did I have, have a, a. We have a botanist in Bricago. I'm sure we do. Um, I I do. Uh, I did go to school for agriculture. Um, I will say that ginger is a root. Yes, it is. And you chop it up. Chop it. Chop it up. And then you put it in some tea, and it's mad strong, and it's good yeah, for it's, you. It's very strong. Yeah, it's good for you. So yeah, shout out to Ginger. Say, I can't Ginger say be doing tea. Ginger be doing it. I'm anti tea. You're anti everything, man. Get out of here. How can you be anti? Like there has to be. I don't like hot. I don't, ha- I don't like hot liquids. I don't like hot liquids. Okay, so, uh, you're you, so you don't like your spit. I like coffee. Like, I like coffee. How, you, how you how you say you don't like hot liquids and then turn around and say you like coffee? <laughs> Like, who who, who are you? Are you Sean Spicer? Are you (laughs) Killian Conway? Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show last (laughs) week. We'd love to say yes. What what is the caveat on on hot chocolate? chocolate? No, hot hot chocolate is is, is good. Hot chocolate is good. Oh, my gosh. I don't like hot liquids except for the ones I like. (laughs) (laughs) There's like four hot liquids. In what in the history of the hot history liquids? There's <laughs> yeah. like lava. four of them that are hot. Lava, right? Hot you don't drink no lava. And, I mean geyser springs. I mean, look, right? There's geyser springs as yeah. well. Yeah. Those are tree free too, though. Those right? Are Those are tree free. <laughs> tree free hot geysers. We're hot geysers. <laughs> anyway, anyway. You are I, so what? I'm special. Yeah, you are special. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you to everybody. Don't throw who, us away. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Terrible. Thank you to everyone who listened to our last episode with the wonderful Max Scoville of IGN and the comedy button. He was an amazing guest. Thank you to Max for, for yeah. hanging out with us last week. Uh, again, you know, all residents of Chicago, listen to that show. If you have not, share it with your friends, share it with the family, uh, share it with your uh, alternate facts people. Yes, uh, so that they alternate raccoon what, facts. 
Alternate yeah. raccoon facts so that they understand. Friends, yes. Word. If you have raccoon friends, then you need Jesus. But I'm just going to say that out loud. <laughs> that read sounds them, like a them. cartoon, like a Saturday read morning cartoon from like late, late 80s. The raccoon friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like that samurai pizza cats. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that wow. was a thing. Yes. That was a real that was thing. A thing. I remember that. Dude, oh, wow. man. They were at wow. least four or five Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Uh, yeah. Straight clone. copies where they yeah. had. Where like they just mash four words together, yes, with, with an animal. <laughs> yeah, so they had okay. So they had samurai pizza cats. They had like uh, there was one with sharks. But I don't street sharks. Street sharks. Street sharks. Oh wow, you guys remember that? Yeah, yep. yeah. 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 And then there was sharks. a joint with the dinosaurs. Yep. Um, yeah, there was one with dinosaurs. I mean, Cadillacs you, and dinosaurs. Yes. I, I mean, yes. you could kind of count Battletoads, even though I don't think that was a cartoon. I mean, that wasn't a cartoon though. Um, and then they had the SWAT, they had the SWAT cats. Right, that oh, SWAT cat. Wow! Oh my yeah. god! And SWAT and there was uh, biker Mars from uh, biker oh, mice oh, yeah, from biker Mars. Mice from Mars. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. Wait, what was really quick before we actually talk about what we're supposed to talk about? <laughs> Too late. And Bucky what was the, what was the one Bucky O'Hare? What was the one that had the plants that turned into cars? Oh, that was Jason the, and the Wheeled Warriors. Yes, Jason wow. and the Wheeled Warriors. Got you. So good. I got oh. you, son. That one was so Wheeled good. Wheeled Warriors. I don't remember that at all. It was so good. It and was. It le- was mad good. It was. Uh, it Legends was like 1986. Blackwater. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Pirates of Darkwater. I say Noija Tat all the time, yo. That's so, dope. so like the only one I remember involving turning into a car was Turbo Team. Turbo uh, Team. Yeah, where, Turbo Team. Where, was good. That came on before Pole Position. Yep, where like a white dude ate a hot pepper and turned yep. into a red Corvette. He turned into a red. Like that was the most amazing, <laughs> most amazing cartoon. The part that made me it's funny because I look back at that video, I look back at that cartoon, and the one thing that was always the part that made me bug out was the fact his hands turned into the wheels. I'm just yes, like, yeah, dude, but his teeth turned into the grill. The grill, he had grills. He had grills. He turned into the grills. It was so good. So good. Anyway, gosh, we are ridiculous, yo. And you know what? This is the beauty of being older, though. Yeah, like I can't front. Like I was talking to somebody at work today, and I was like, "Yo, I like being old." Yeah, Mm. er, I'm not old yet. Yeah, like I was like, "Yeah, my my first console had wood paneling on it. That was dope." True, like your station wagon. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I have, I have perspective. You know what I'm saying. I I mean, my my uh, living room TV was essentially a piece of furniture. (laughs) Worse, yeah, right. But 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 it didn't work. The TV on top worked. Well, my my, my big TV Zenith worked. TV worked. Ah, y'all y'all are whack, worked. yo. Y'all ain't really black. You got to have my... like you got to have so you had the the full wood panel, the wood grain panel uh TV with the when you lift the top, it had the record player in there and the radio and it had Oh the no, we weren't we, we didn't grow up rich. On the on the side, <laughs> but yeah, I, I but definitely did not. It was have 5 that. years. You didn't have all that? And nah. then, but it was five years before you realized that there was a record player or any of that or stuff on there because there was a TV. There was a small black and white TV on the top of it. And usually, what would happen is, like in my grandmother's house, we had the we had the uh, big wood grain TV that had picture but no sound, and then we had the black and white TV with sound and no picture. That's so you so you always wow. had to make sure that you That's like an engineering problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a problem set. If a train reaches your TV at 2 p.m., <laughs> no, what no. time does the sound reach yes. the bottom TV? Yes. No, our 
our Zenith was amazing, but it didn't have a remote control. So like, we oh, had, you uh, were the remote control, and like pressed those huge buttons on the side. Oh, like it was, it was. Oh, you like had I, buttons. It was like almost like I had to press each button with two hands. You Wait, had hold buttons. on. Wait, hold on. You want you want to know what the you know what the worst version of that is? We had a remote control for our VCR, but that motherfucker had a cord. Oh yeah, I remember the cord. <laughs> so, so we had our first our first worst. VCR had the cord. Our first VCR had the cord, the and my dad stepped on it and popped it. Like yeah. how you, how do you pop just a cord? All right, all right, all right, all right. We're like ten minutes into the show and have not talked anything about oh, games. Oh uh, no, man! Hey, listen. Oh back my god! In the days when hey, man. Young. Back in the day, game controllers had wires. You know? I right. know. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah. I mean, well, we can talk about things that are back in the day, right? Sure. Like before E3 went public. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, like goodness. that. So, so the ESA today, they came out and said there will be public days for E3. No, where, they didn't say there will be public days for E3. Yeah, they said that there'll be, da- they said there's going to be a public amount of uh, t- 15,000 tickets will be available for the public to be able to purchase. Right. Not right. like public public days denotes that there would be private correct. also private all tickets days. are correct. for all three days of the show. That is correct. Right. Right. So, you know, folks had a, a lot to say on Twitter and social media, you know, us included about what we thought about was going to happen with all the stuff that now makes this more of an open show when it used to be just an industry trade show. Um, so I, I guess, you know, it's it's such an interesting time that we live in to know that now things are moving in this direction. I guess the first thing I want to ask is, see, you know, what what do you think about you know this being the new version of E three that we're going to see at least in twenty seventeen? Um, so when I when I first read the news and and much like our Twitter feeds said, it made me think back to. My conversation with uh, Vice President of Communication for the Electronics uh, Software Association, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the and that Rich Taylor, um, and in our conversation about the future of E three, um, so so first and foremost, I guess this isn't the first time E three has gone public. Um, the first few years of E3, it was kind of open to the public uh, when it was in New York and and in you know a couple of other places. Um, mm-hmm. I I I of course of uh, of two minds with this. So the the first the first part is that if you're a gamer that follows game news, that listens to podcasts, that goes to websites. Um, and have been doing that for years. The ultimate goal is to make it to E3, be on the show floor, see all the stuff that's going on, meet all the people, um, and possibly get to go to one, if not multiple, of the media briefings. Right. Um, that's, that is the dream come true. Uh, I was fortunate enough to experience that dream have that dream become a reality last year at my very first E3. And this is where the other part of it comes in. And so, you know, so for those 15,000 people, the first thousand people, of course, getting tickets for $150, the other 14,000 getting them for $250. Mm -hmm. um, I am happy for those people. 
Um, the other side of me says that part of the reason that this dream came true for me and part of the reason that it felt special to me was that I earned the ability to get to E3. E3 is a trade show. E3 is a show for the industry, for people within the industry uh, and and uh, retailers uh, and, you know, everyone that's kind of associated with the industry to come and share their wares and to network and to see what's going on so that they can disseminate that information to everyone else in the world. And uh, so when I got to E3, I felt like I made it because I worked hard to get there. And there's a there's a a a, a, a not so small portion of me that that is not too enthused with the fact that these people are going to be able to come not only because they haven't earned it by being part of the industry and being granted the access uh, to the show, but also because for people like us, smaller outlets that are, you know, busting our humps, you know, day in and day out, to try and uh, garner garner a community, make connections and and be be and remain relevant and talk to people within the industry so that they know who we are, are so that when we get to shows like this, we can get interviews, we can get access, we can do all that stuff um, for for people like us. It's going to make things a lot more difficult. To, to do exactly what we were able to do last year. I thought our coverage last year was amazing. But if there are 15,000 more people around, uh, and it's not going to be 15,000, shout out to uh, Paris Lilly of Gamertag Radio, because he was the first one to mention this, but it's probably going to be closer to 20,000, maybe even 25,000 when you start to include... Um, the, the the numbers of people that exhibitors are going to be able to to take with them where you know Microsoft gives out a thousand free tickets and Sony gives out a thousand free tickets and all that other stuff so you're gonna you know so you magnify the the number of people and now we've got to navigate through those crowds and still make the appointments that we were able to make and try and and do the 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 stuff on the ground level to try and create new opportunities for us going forward in, in, in the, in the uh, ensuing days. And it's going to be that much more difficult now. Yeah. Reef, what are, we, what are your thoughts? Um, I think this is great. Um, I think that, uh, um, you know, every year people talk about is E3 dead, you know, like is the trade convention dead, obviously Activision, EA, uh, like Nintendo, all these companies have kind of said peace and kind of we're all doing their own thing. So I think as a business, the ESA needs to do something to keep this thing alive. Um, I don't think it's a trade show anymore. I think historically it has been. Um, but I think that the fact that they're offering these tickets means that E3 is no longer a trade show. Um, it's not a quite a complete fan show like PAX is, mm-hmm. but they're trying to do a hybrid version of that where they can satisfy both exhibitors needs and the fans need. So I think it's a necessary step while I do agree with you that coverage of everyone, except for the you know really large people will suffer. I think that the end result in coverage is to get information to 
our fans, to our listeners, you know, to people that read, to people that are interested in gaming. If there's more people, if there's 20,000 more people that can get direct access to these games, now they won't have the behind the scenes stuff. They won't be in the meetings or appointments, so they won't have that stuff, right? But if 20,000 additional people can get to play these games, have that experience, and go back and spread that information, I think that's worth having the media, including us, have a more difficult time presenting stuff to um, people because if the fans are getting it directly, and again, mm-hmm. these are you know, 150 to $250 tickets, so it's not like everybody's going to go, right? right. Um, but I, I, I would rather have people get more direct access and have the media have you know, a more difficult time to create content and to get stuff um, than the other way around. So, mm-hmm. so I'm for it because it brings more of the fans, um, you know, into, uh, into the experience that is E3. Mm-hmm. Kyle, okay. what do you feel? It's hard, man. It's, I, I was one of those folks in 2005 who, who made my quote unquote media badge and, and, and got in. <laughs> like you made it. On like I Microsoft made my media Word. badge. I was, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, covering, I was covering E3 for Kaja Inc. Right. Uh, back then. Uh, and it was, and it, and it felt like, you know, back then it was a little bit different because, uh, you know, it was still in like the height of, when the show was like really still popping off and it was, it was like the booth babes were there and all that craziness was going on. And it was a really bit was like the bombast was at 25. It wasn't at 10. Um, And then getting to go uh, last year, I mean, the year before last for my first official E3, I was like press and as a person in the media, it did feel like, you know, uh, a, a level of, we had made it like as a, as a person who like started a, a blog that, helped to morph itself into a, a podcast and like busted ass for, for many years and trying to figure out how to get, you know, work all the angles and learn how the industry worked and made the connections with people who you've looked up to for years. It felt like an achievement when we put down on paper that we wanted to get to E3 as a crew right. and we made it as a crew to get to E3. Right. Um, it feels a little bit different now because even though that people can pay, to get in, you could have paid last year, right? To get into the show, it, it was a cost lot you a more grand. expensive. It would have cost you a thousand dollars to right. get in, yeah. But you could have paid money to get into the show. It makes me worry about our coverage again because I think it is we we are for as much as our as as, as you and Bricago love us and we love you, we are still fairly niche in the way that our coverage and the content that we. Uh, uh, give to you and to, 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 to the world is, is viewed. So uh, peek behind the curtain, like the numbers that we do in comparison to the numbers that PR is looking for are very different in lots of ways. So they're looking for a YouTuber kinds of numbers. And unfortunately we don't do those kinds of numbers because we're kind of on an older medium of content, you know, podcasting, although it's gotten more popular in the past five years, six years it is still not as popular as youtube if you're not if you're in a if you're not in the most saturated parts of the market right well yeah podcasting overall is is really starting to hit uh it's you know it's really starting to trend but podcasting for video games is is passe 
Right, it's passe in a lot of ways. Right. And, and, and PR folks mm -hmm. aren't looking for that kind of content to promote their games. It is very difficult for us to get most of the people that we get. Um, it is very difficult to, to make those inroads, but we have, through the quali quality and content of work that we do, have scratched our way up to, to where we are now, right? And we hope to continue to get better. Right. The, the things that I'm worried about uh, besides that are, uh, it, it changes the way that uh, kind of content is looked at. Um, I have no beef with YouTubers and Twitch stars and all that stuff because they, they create content. And having done Small for Good for the past, what, two, three years, right. it is hard. Right. <laughs> like, it is right. hard to really be on hard. camera for, for a very long amount of time and to be entertaining and do all that stuff. So right. I used to talk a little bit of shit about that, but never again. Like, <laughs> they, they earn, the people who are doing this work earn my full and total respect. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's really hard. The, the, the other part of that is, uh, and there's a point that you brought up brief about, you know, more access means more views to or more more opinions about the stuff that they're looking at. I wonder, to be honest, if that doesn't do some publishers, some games, some uh, some folks a disservice. Right. Because you don't have people who are going to these shows to give a professional opinion right. about a specific game or a specific outlet. Uh, they're going just because they're enthusiasts. And that's great. The enthusiast shows have been there for a long time at this point, PAX and 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 and, and uh, Rooster Rooster Teeth and all the other stuff. And those shows, you don't really have an expectation to get um, kind of nuanced coverage out of those out of those shows as much as you do from E3, because it's such an industry based uh, show. I worry about that for that for for that end. Um, I worry about it because you're letting people who aren't necessarily professionals through the gates. If that then causes a rise in harassment or that causes a, a rise in uh, inappropriate activities uh, at the show. Um, I wonder about scalping of tickets. You see that happen. Oh, that'll definitely happen. All the time at PAX. There are so many cats outside of PAX that you don't even need to go online and get a ticket for PAX when, it, when they sell out in two seconds. You can just go to the venue and buy a ticket right. for the whole weekend yeah. if you want to. So that's another issue. Um, so it, it's multifaceted. Like, I don't want people to think that we're hating. It's not that we are really proud of the work that we've done and the fact that we got in on our own merits. I think it does absolutely, absolutely make our job infinitely harder if they don't segment it between having a public day and a press day. I think that for us is the is the actual happy medium, uh, at least for me, in my in my perspective, is if they have a day or two days that is just for press, let them in, let them do what they have to do. And then open the floodgates. Let everybody in. I don't care who you let in after that. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, but let the let the folks who, quote unquote, are there to do business, do business. And then everybody else can have fun and run around on the, on the show floor. Because what a lot of people don't understand is that when you go to E3, you're going to work. Right. Like a lot of it is not play. A lot of it is difficult running around, carrying equipment, trying to get stuff. And most of that stuff does not happen on the place that most of the folks who are going to be buying these tickets are going to be. They're going to be on the show floor and it's a lot of chaos. There's hardly any coverage that comes from the show floor. It's usually behind the scenes and meetings and all the other things. If you see that stuff happen, it's usually by happenstance and just by chance. So, you know, it, make, it makes a lot of stuff. It looks a lot of stuff more difficult. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say that that I think the biggest issue is going to be the scalpers because we're talking 15,000 tickets to right. the now it may not be the largest one in the world, but it is the 
video game conference. It is, as I called it, you know, it's the mecca of video game conferences. It's the, yep. you know, it's the granddaddy of them all. And uh, so those tickets are going to go fast. I mean, right. you know, we, we know that uh, San Diego Comic-Con sells out in 10 minutes. And they have right. thousands and thousands and thousands of tickets. This right. is going to sell out in three minutes. And, you know, and no um, $150 uh, for, a sh- you know, short pop and $250 is not cheap, but it's not expensive either. Yeah, it's not, it's not prohibitively right. expensive. Right, it's not prohibitively expensive. I, I, um, I would I, disagree for a lot of people that it's prohibitively uh, expensive. I mean, not if not if you're in two hundred fifty bucks plus lodging plus. But it, not. It, I mean, it adds but, up, man. Right, but I you mean, could but, get you could get fifteen thousand people in the L.A. area easily. Yes, you, yeah. you know, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. easily, absolutely. So you know, I mean, that lodging is is not necessarily. I mean, look at look at uh, PSX. People right. come from all over the world. To go yeah. and how much and is PSX? Sixty bucks, I think it's it like was. It's, it's, it's not that expensive no, at all. Not, but, no, it's not. But, it, it's, but it is one of those things that, and you touch on that on that point, which is really important, is the fact that like this medium affords like people who enjoy this hobby spend money, spend money, right? You I know mean, what I mean? You know, people bought thousands of PSVRs and then turned around and bought PlayStation Pros, and there were a lot. <laughs> there were a lot of thousands. <laughs> you know. Yeah. There are a lot of thousand dollar ticket badges on the floor at E three last year, right? Yeah, there right. were a lot of them. Yeah. I right. saw a lot of folks right. who had you know not press badges, but like and not VIP badges. There's right. another ex- uh, not exhibitor. There's another section of it. But right. anyway, right, right, yeah. I mean, badges. I mean, yeah. I'm worried yeah. about yeah. scalping, but no more than I worry about scalping at any big event. I like think at sports games, at PAX. At Comic Con, but it but it like does lend to the scalping. But it does lend to the idea, and this was a great point that Danny Danny uh, brought up uh, on Gamertag Radio. Everyone should check out the episode there where they talked about this yeah, particular yeah. issue because yeah, it, it, it was a really great conversation. Really great conversation. And Danny was talking about you know let, letting more people in and having that enthusiasm there is great because it, it builds up you know the industry in a lot of ways. Right. The the people who are scalping and then getting those tickets. There's not necessarily the just like one to one of like I bought this ticket so I am going to be that person that is going to be the most enthused to right. be here. So like there is the hope that that's going to be the case, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be what happens. Personally, unless mm-hmm. they unless they do something, unless ESA does something to make sure that each person buys a ticket for themselves. <laughs> right. Good luck. You know, and and you know, you buy a ticket and the ticket has your name on it. Literally, they did that. And, I would, and, did that a couple and, years. and then and then I you have lo- to show your ID in order to get your badge, and they both have to match. I really um, doubt it. Right, unless they do that, I am of the belief that maybe five percent of the tickets that are purchased on February thirteenth, the day before this episode airs, um. That only five percent of the people that buy that buy tickets are going to actually attend the show. Yeah, even and that the other ninety five percent are going to be sold in the aftermarket. Yeah, uh, you even, know, for a huge, huge, huge profit. Yeah. yeah, even if they did that, it would be hard to enforce it. Like when you have you know 
this big mass of people coming on, they're just going to be waving people through. Like, I, yeah, it's it, it's it's a hard thing to enforce. It is going to be a problem. It's going to be really interesting. This year is going to be real interesting to see how that plays. And we and again, we don't know. Like, you're not guaranteed because you went last year to be able to go this right. year. Right. So we, we don't know that know, we're going. Right. We don't even know if we got in. Right. Yeah. So right. we may be on that 15 <laughs> on that yeah. online trying right. to buy tickets ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just to get in. Well, yeah. so and the the other thing that that I want to I, I kind of want to touch on is the enthusiasm portion is important, and and one of the things that um, that I kind of gleaned last year was there was a level of I'm not going to say disappointment, but there was a level of it's kind of a, a palpable lack of excitement from the veterans of the show that I hung around um, during yeah, during sense. my time during my time there. And, you know, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that uh, the South Hall was greatly different from what it was before. Now that uh, Electronic Arts has pulled out and they're doing their own thing and and that, uh, you know, Disney wasn't there and Activision wasn't there on the on the show floor. Um so so it looked 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 very different um and so yes i think there is now i was very enthusiastic obviously to be there was my first time um but it would i think having that enthusiasm back from fans is will be great for the energy of of the show um but at the same time the show is historically the show has been about moving business forward and moving information forward. And yeah, you know, I get your point about people going back and telling their friends and tweeting and, and doing that kind of stuff. But, but to kind of cause point is, you know, the reason that this is for, this has historically been for media and for press uh, and, you know, for media and for exhibitors and, and for people within the business is that there is a level of professionalism. There's a there's a level of polish in the way that they're able to disseminate the information that they receive and uh, getting getting information from, you know, from a fan who sees something and is like, eh, is, you know, it's whatever and not understanding the technical details or something like that does like like I said can potentially do a disservice to the publishers and the developers and whoever it is is showing either a product or a game or you know whatever the case may be uh and and you know that may that could potentially backfire wow i i think you're seriously understating the knowledge of an enthusiast gamer that'll pay that money to go to a conference and and i think you're overstating the nuance of media coverage um like i like i i i just fundamentally disagree with the fact that on average a group of people that are serious enough about gaming to pay to go to a conference are in any way different coverage wise from you know a big media now us i now now i think we do dope shit right (laughs) but i think the majority of coverage is like hey here's the bullet points that's what it is like it's not like some kind of like super deep discussion on each thing that they see 
yeah, I, I don't, I don't, so I don't know if I, it's. I that. think you're underselling. Uh, I, th- I think, I think, I think there's a difference though between taking the time, and we're gonna, we're gonna move on right after, right. after C gets his last words right. in. Uh, I think there's a difference between the bullet point folks, mm-hmm. the stuff that we do, right. the stuff that IGN would do, or GameSpot are kind of funny, or GameTag Radio, or Waypoint, or Kotaku. or Waypoint, or any of those folks, right. and the people who just came in off the street trying to get their hot take. Right. And I think that I think that you may see an abundance. And, and again, no one knows yet. This is going to be an, an anomaly. Yeah. Right. No one knows, but I think that there will be those versions of that stuff. And I think that those versions of that stuff can do a fair amount of damage to a publisher's game or to uh, a, 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 a company's uh, IP or, or, or stuff because those folks don't understand what a vertical slice is. They don't understand right. what, you know, what, what a, a beta frame, is, what, what a beta, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, Oh, I play, right. you know what I mean? Like there's parts of that conversation that's in there and we see that happen yeah, all the time. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, we, I see it happen all the time. We right? will have to dis. We, we will have to agree or disagree. I. I, I, I don't agree. I don't agree. I. I just disagree. I, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I. I agree. The average gaming fan, not the gaming fan that will pay to go to this conference. I. Uh, so. I, yeah. I. I think we're a very informed group of consumers. So the, uh, and so here's a here's uh, a little anecdotal story. Um, told told to us from the great people over at Gamertag Radio. Um they I think Paris Paris and Danny went to I think it was a Call of Duty event mm-hmm. last year and they were online waiting to get into this event with other people where and they were press and and some of them were you know just uh game enthusiasts you know enthusiast gamers that are really big Call of Duty fans. Uh, and what have you. So they are standing in line behind these these kids not long after E3, you know, maybe later in, in the summer or something to that effect. And they're listening to the story. And the story goes something like this. Yeah, Scorpion's going to be dope. It's going to have 4K and, you oh, know, yeah. you can, you know, it'll be 3D and holographic and you'll be able to do all the stuff on the Scorpion. And, you know, you got to play the scorpion and and like everything about that, everything about what they were saying was like 60 percent true, you know, and 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 so when they they were having a conversation about it was, you know, it was like the back of the school bus. Right. And, you know, so it's like one part true, two parts uh, embellishment. And they had they you know they had this conference and they were talking about it and then when when those guys left left that that arena um and went back to their respective homes and talked to their friends about it they're going to continue to spread this this not true not completely true information is you know it's not quite yeah. misinformation but it is you know i mean if it's not true it's false right Yes, money. And and uh, and so so that is that's the concern that I have that, you know, that no one that not no one, but that a lot of the fans that go to these shows aren't going to have the 
journalistic integrity holding, you know, standing on their shoulders to make sure that before they disseminate information that they've got their facts right, that they're checking their bullet points, they're checking their notebooks, they're going back and and re-listening to interviews that they've had to make sure when they present information that the information is as correct as it possibly can be. And I think really quick before we boogie on that, I think the the one thing that we're missing out of that is the uh, the the amount of people who are going to be getting besides the public folks there's also a uptick in the folks who are going to be getting media passes as well like that is something that i remember hearing during the conversations mm. of that too like the the folks who are usually kind of on the vip list for like youtubers and, and twitch stars and right. stuff like that they're they are also being told to be given media passes like yeah. go oh, apply yeah, for a media badge instead so yeah. That's that's a little bit different too in 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 the way that all of that works. So, yep, yeah, it's a lot mean, of stuff. There'll be a lot of cool things to like to like look into. Like as I said, I'm all about fans getting more access, even if it makes it harder for us. Um, so uh, speaking of doing business, um, the company that does the most business for games, physical games, and all that stuff is everybody's favorite. Uh, EB Games, no, Babbage's, no, Software Excedra, no, GameStop. Uh, and if you don't understand anything I said, then yeah. Then you're right. young. Oh, and Funko Land as well. And Funko um, Land. We're, who actually ooh. used to print out the value of almost every pr- used game they had. Yep. And and they would give it to you. And you could mm-hmm. search through and say, oh, man, I could trade yep. in. Uh, it was the hot sheets. Like, uh, $5. Yep. Um, yeah, so GameStop. Um, recently some news came out about a pretty terrible program, um, <laughs> that they have kind of behind the scenes that the corporate office is handing on to their franchises. Um, essentially they set quotas for different things for like each store. So like say GameStop sells a thousand dollars of product, right? Corporate expects a certain percentage of that to be for used games, a certain percentage of it to be to for like subscribing to the uh, power club and like a certain part for like for trade-ins. All right. So basically what that means is that their new game percentage is much lower compared to the other three. So essentially what that means is that when like people come in and they want new games, a lot of the franchises have kind of spoken up anonymously um, and said that they feel pressure that to be able to hit these marks that they have to not sell new games, which includes lying to customers. Well, sorry, they feel under pressure to lie to customers and say, we don't have that new. Would you like a, a, a used copy? Right. And that's also the reason why you always hear people kind of saying, hey, is there anything you want to pre-order? Do you want to subscribe to the card? Um, are you sure that like uh, you don't want to? trade in i get these emails every time i buy something from gamestop <laughs> i get an email like two months later like yo here's a trading value you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. like if you want to tr- trade it in um you know so like gamestop employees have been un- under pressure that to make these marks you know to essentially be dishonest with uh with uh w- with their customers and and you know it's it's like I think it's like a program that's existed for a, for a while, but it's only recently been enforced more strictly. Um, and you know, some people are under pressure to keep their jobs, right? And when it comes down to feeding your family or lying to a customer about something coming in, you know, it's a tough decision. Um, and like, of course, uh, GameStop 
corporate had a really weird like response, like an official like uh, response that like said, uh, all the GameStop's internal programs are designed to provide our customers the best value in all their game purchases, including newer pre-owned merchandise. With any program, opportunities arise for improvement, and we will continue to refine it to equip our knowledgeable store associates to provide a great store experience. That's their response to all this. Uh, so, Ka, what do you think about uh, GameStop here and uh, their Circle of Life program? I'm of two minds on this one too, right? Where it's like, I don't support GameStop because I think they're crooked and corrupt. And I think that they've been doing, they've, been, they've had bad practices for a very long time. So I don't, I don't patronize them. I'm like, I will not use your, I will not use your, your store. I will not use your online store. I will buy things even if, even if it's to my detriment because of end of life stuff digitally, mm-hmm. uh, because I don't want to give you any money um, because they're like terrible about what they do. They're vultures in a lot of ways. Um, but on the flip side of that, the, I'm not surprised by the practice and I also don't feel that sympathetic to the folks who are coming out anonymously and saying all these things like, I feel like I'm going to lose my job and I feel like I'm pressured to do this stuff. And I feel like I'm, I, I can't do my job well because of blah, blah, blah. And they keep telling me to do this stuff. I was like, if you didn't know that GameStop was crooked for all this time, you can't really say that you didn't know after the fact and be like worried about your job when they're implementing these things that are not healthy business practices and make you lie to a customer for it. So it's a weird double standard, not double standard. It's a weird, you know, two-sided coin where I'm just like, there's no, there's nobody currently in that whole space that I really feel sorry for. Like, I'm like, you knew, you knew what you were doing when you got into this job and GameStop knows what they, knows what they've been doing when they've been putting out these terrible policies. So like there are there's like no sympathetic people in this story for me. So don't buy from GameStop. Just buy your shit digitally and go go to go to I can't say Amazon because Amazon is also crooked in some ways too. Go somewhere where you go to mom and pop shop if you have one. If you can't, go to the one that's the most uh, ethical to your standards and then spend your money that way. That's the only thing I can advise advise on that side. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's kind of like a, like you stepped into something you know is crooked so yeah like i can't yeah you can't really be mad at that like you knew and it's not like most and here's the thing most people who who uh work at gamestop they have been patrons at gamestop before they have they have bought stuff from gamestop you usually don't go to a gamestop just because you're like i want to find a job and it's the only one that i can find i think most times you want to work there because you're like i get a dope discount I get to work around games. I get to talk about games when I go to my job. And those are things I like. So you kind of have to know because there's been so many stories about this forever at this point. So whatever, man. See, what's your thought on? Well, as a former GameStop employee, um, I can tell you firsthand about uh, a lot of that stuff. I would, I distance myself from uh, Kaz comments about, uh, the employees and not being sympathetic to their plight. Obviously, um, I have a, a, a different stint on it or, you know, a different uh, take on it because I was one of those people. Um, now, I work there as a second job. Um, you know, I had a regular nine to five and I did it to support my habit. Um, <laughs> and and so um, 
you when you are a patron of of GameStop, you understand, you know, you, you kind of understand this, the spiel, right? Um, you go into GameStop, you going in to buy y'all got that, you know, y'all got that Madden and you go in and you get you get your whatever game it is that you're getting. They're going to ask you if you want to pre-order any other games. Uh, they're going to talk to you about pre-owned stuff. They're going to talk to you about the power up card. Uh, and then, you know, maybe you'll shoot the shit with someone. If you're a regular, you know, somebody there and then you leave um, mm-hmm. when you're looking at it as an employment opportunity. Generally speaking, the people that wind up uh, being hired at a, a specific GameStop is someone that has been in the store consistently over, you know, over a period of time, has gotten to know the uh, the, the the staff that's there and they've gotten to know that person. Um, the staff, generally speaking, is very passionate about video games. Um, the prospective employee probably also shares that passion since they are regular and they're in that store often. Uh, and the thought of being able to to disseminate more information, we're all about disseminating information today. Uh, the, the person who's able to disseminate that information looks at this opportunity as a great one because, you know, now I get to work with my passion. And the mm-hmm. thing that a GameStop employee doesn't understand, the thing that a game advisor doesn't understand is how draconian GameStop corporate is before they walk through the door. And they don't even understand it when they walk through the door and they right. punch in for the very first time. And and you can look dubious, Ka, but I'm I think most franchises are like that. I, I, I you know, I'm telling you, yeah, and, and and you know, to be fair, I would say this to any and everyone. Don't cast aspersions on on employees until you work retail. In fact, I think that every at least American should work retail for six months. I would agree, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, definitely agree. Um, so retailing so, kids, right? Right. You know, like w- work retail. Now, uh, as far as the circle of life, this circle of life and and what it is has evolved. Now, I worked I worked at a GameStop for two or three years last generation. So during the 360 PS3 Wii Wii U generation, um, I, I worked there, and during that time, the, the circle of life was st- you know was part of the marketing speak, but it was you know uh, pre-owns. Uh, I mean uh, pre-orders, pre-owned trades, and and you know and the trades. And the gift card. Right, right. And the, the trades turn, you know, you can roll those trades into more pre-orders, which will allow you to buy more games where you could buy pre-owned games and then you could trade those games in. And that was the circle of life. Now, we were very heavily numbers focused when I was there, but the numbers were um, getting warranties, getting getting people to buy the power up cards, uh, getting people to buy pre-owned stuff, because obviously that is you know, much higher. The profit margin is extremely high on a pre-owned game as opposed to a, uh, as as opposed to a new game, you know, new games, a $60 game, the store gets about two fifty or $3. (laughs) Um, 
for 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 each of those games that they sell versus um, if they sell a pre-owned game at fifty five dollars or if you've got a power up card forty nine fifty um, the the store gets about twenty dollars off of that so obviously and you know and that's the store's cut not GameStop's yeah, cut of right. of that so uh, you know GameStop it's almost completely profit for for them to to have that stuff so obviously GameStop is going to incentivize um and and motivate their employees to push the product that they're going to make the most money on um so you know duh but and and now in this landscape where digital sales are growing you know growing by leaps and bounds obviously GameStop in order to survive has to lean even heavier on pre-owned sales. Um, so I understand it from that from that standpoint. Um, obviously, it's it's gross that they would they would come out and and incentivize people to lie to a customer, um, and you know, and it's ass backwards to begin with. So you you know, so you're telling the employees to go out and push pre-orders. Everyone pre-order Halo Wars 2. Then when Halo Wars 2 comes out and someone comes in off the street to buy Halo Wars 2, you're like, oh, I've got a pre-ordered. Ah, you don't want the pre-ordered one. You want the pre-owned one. We've got a few copies. Or someone comes off the street, they haven't pre-ordered Halo Wars 2, and there are plenty of Halo Wars 2 copies around because despite it being really good, I don't think it's going to sell well. Um, that, that they just say that those are cases, the, the new games are cases and, uh, and just sell them a pre-owned one from the back. So, and, and that, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of terrible. It's kind of terrible. Uh, it's actually really terrible. Um, and it's and it's you know shameful on, on GameStop's part, but I don't blame I don't blame the employees at all. I, I mean it's it's just like look you you know you're working a job, you're not making a hell of a lot of money. That job is important to you, even if you think that what you're doing is gross. You still need to make money. You still need to feed yourself and do whatever it is that you need to do support your habit. Um, and you can't afford to lose that job. So if you can't afford to lose the job, then you you keep the job and you do whatever it takes to stay there. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, you know, that example that you gave, a version of it happened to me where I remember going to a GameStop and asking, oh, I forgot what game. It was like a DS game. Right. And I just said, hey, like, do you have this game? And they said, sure. And I saw them go into the cabinet, grab a copy, slap it in a box, right. shrink wrap it, and then start to purchase it. And like I'm like, is that a new or a used copy? And like they were like, oh, like you want a new copy? Right. Uh, well, this is a used copy, and you know when it's like twenty, I was like, I want a new copy. Right. Well, but with you know? a used copy, you have seven days to try it out, and if you don't like it for any reason, you could bring it back for a full refund or exchange it for something else. Yeah. So there so you like, go. There's I, a spiel. So. <laughs> I can see them catching a lot of people with that. Yeah. Um, my yeah. whole thing is GameStop is a company. They are, are well within their rights to enfor- enforce, to prioritize you stuff. You know, if their business model says that, that's fine. 
What I don't like, though, is that I feel like any corporate company needs to take responsibility for its actions. And I think they need to be aware of when something that they're pushing has an ill effect on the franchise side. And that's what I think is the big negative here is that I'm sure on paper when all the business people are meeting and, you know, in their fancy, uh, you know, uh, executive room, right, right. Uh, they put this out on paper and it seemed like a great idea. Right. But in terms of the reality on the floor stuff at the franchises, right. it's not, you know, right. and yeah. the whole point of being part of a franch of a franchise that corporate is supposed to take care of you. Right. You know, um, and they're supposed to implement policies that have a positive impact, not only on sales on the, on the bottom line, but to quality of life of, you know, of these people. Well, ideally, I, right. I should say, I that, know all corporations aren't like that, but right. ideally in my eyes, they should be trying to make profit and they should also be trying to, you know, make people enjoy work, working there and spread positive goodwill and all that stuff. And this is doing the exact opposite. Right. So, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So one, one, one more thing. So while I think that they have no problem with them having metrics and numbers, but if those are leading to negative stuff, they need to pull that back and say, yo, we, we can have numbers, but these are obviously way too aggressive, you know, and like they, they need to compromise and they need to say, you know, we need to have a business where we can both make money and, you know, have our people that are working for us live a positive life and if they can't do that then then like they don't need to be in business yeah so to uh to kind of piggyback on that my experience is working with gamestop is that and and you know and this is this is by and large i think an experience that most retail workers have of their corporate you know, the corporate entity, and it's almost like there are two companies, you know, you've got you, you know, it's almost like the empire and and then you've got a, a territory and the empire says the empire says, let's go and you do these things. And and they make they put push down edicts that are kind of tone deaf to how things actually run on the ground. And and that that was my experience almost the entire time at GameStop. And this is you know, this is a similar type of thing where they just don't get what it's like to actually try and and perform the the duties and the edicts that they're that they're uh, expecting their stores to uh, to perform. And quite frankly, they don't think about the employees as people. They just think about them as assets. Right. And and when those assets don't perform, you get rid of those assets and you get new assets. And they're they're okay with that. They're okay with having fewer assets to the point where the you know, the the entity can't can't reasonably function. You know, there's there are only two salaried employees at any GameStop. The manager and the assistant manager, and really? as far as far as the cor- as far as the corporate, uh, you know, the the corporation is concerned, that's all they need to run the store. If if all you've got are two people, like all you've got are salaried employees, the salaried employees need to make up, make sure that that 
everything is running. You get a set number of hours for your store based on the amount of revenue that you generate. And, you know, 50 of those hours need to go to the store manager and 37 of those hours need to go to the assistant manager, have to, and you may get 115 hours for everyone else. Like, how do you make that work? Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got 30 hours for the rest of the week. Yeah, shout shout out to the GameStop at Herald Square in uh, New York City. (laughs) Oh, my God. um, That used to really struggle with that. uh, Few employees and millions and millions of people. uh, Right right above the food court, man. Right (laughs) above the food court. Uh, Little known fact is where where I met Brother Slavenly Gamer Milton. Uh, we, was that GameStop? That was yeah, where we met. Is. Nice. Shout yes, out! Indeed. Shout out to uh, Milton, man. A Only good thing him. that came out of game came out of GameStop. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Did did you buy him on the show? No. But was I, he like a pre owned? Was he a pre owned? No, he was new. He was new. Nice. He was new. He shrink wrapped. <laughs> I mean, they he had the out. code. He had the online code <laughs> in him. Still. <laughs> He had the stickers that were over other stickers. I had, I had, I had, I had a vintage, vintage brother slovenly gamer. <laughs> so an edict is going to be passed down from on high, and that means that we're going to take ourselves a break. Uh, we're going to head back into the show with some cool stories right after. We'll be right back after this. Hey guys, this is Milton, host of the Slavonly Gamer Podcast, where I talk all things gaming and nerdy, from anime to zombies and everything in between. You can find me on iTunes and SoundCloud at Slavonly Gamer. You're listening to Spawn on Me on ESN.FM. And welcome back to episode 150 of the Spawn on Me Podcast. I am Stubby Stan. He is Kajakins. He is Sharif Jackson. And we are back. Um, what we're also back from is the Super Bowl. It was uh, the New England Patriots. It was the Atlanta Falcons. It was the Atlanta Falcons taking a whooping after feeling all. It was, you know, it really was like an amalgamation of Election Day all over again. We relived Election Day um, <laughs> where, you know, at. At halftime, you just knew that the Falcons were going to walk away with this. And then all of a sudden, Trump came in and he magged <laughs> his way into an overtime victory. And, um, you know, he is Donald Trump is the Tom Brady of Ugh. Tom Brady's. I don't Stop know. It. I don't know what that is. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, before before all of that happened, um, you know, there was, you know, all this stuff going on in the beginning of the week and in, in Houston. Uh, one of the things that uh, happens every year uh, at in uh, the Super Bowl week and the, the days leading up to the actual big game, um, EA makes a little game called Madden NFL, and uh, they have what is called the Madden Bowl. And they really went, EA, EA Sports really went into it this year. They're really uh, focused on eSports. Um, and and really trying to make that a thing. Uh, they had their Madden Bowl, and there was a Madden champion, and that champion won a quarter of a million dollars and the pride of his hood. Um, unfortunately, 
what we found out was that his hood was pointed and white because <laughs> that guy is a fucking racist. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I didn't realize that his hood also had the stars and bars on it. <laughs> he, I wish I could see this pass coming through right, the hole. Right. After, after, after he scored a touchdown, the the, the uh, tone was so, wow. <laughs> um, so yeah so the <laughs> the winner of the Madden championship I don't know what this fucking racist name was his name is Chris W McFarland Chris yeah. McFarland um, no relation hopefully to Todd McFarland because Todd McFarland while no, being an asshole is pretty cool um no. And and, a, and an excellent artist, but Chris McFarlane, great Madden player, um, but but also pretty handy with the n bombs. And we're not talking about the colloquial hip hop n bombs. We're talking about drag you behind a truck n bombs. I like um, how every time you talk about racism, it's always about somebody getting dragged behind. A hey truck. yo yo, that, I mean yo son, that's just bananas. Like like. Well, who does that? Who he does? <laughs> right. He did a lot in a 2012. Lot. Right. In, in 2012, um, pre- presumably, he does a lot of it in 2017 as well. I'm um, sure. You know, and, and it, you know, it wasn't, it, there wasn't a, a matter of him coming back and saying that he, uh, he forgave, you know, he he apologizes for everything that he that he had to say. But anyway, so he won the championship. They uh, people went back and tried to find out who he was, went through a, a bunch of his tweets. And there were plenty of N-bombs, plenty of um, derogatory language about people of color. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, anti-homophobic slurs yeah, you know, everything just, you just, could think right, of everything that you could possibly weird. think of so the Madden Madden uh, or EA Sports gave him his money they uh, congratulated him they let him go about his business then found out about the controversy and wrote a letter saying wait a minute we just found out this guy's racist so now we need to tell you about it, and I got to put my glasses on so oh, I can he has read to this. Read a thing. Right, so I got I got to read the thing, dude. Dude, uh, you just aged like twenty five years. Yeah, 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 son. Yeah, son. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm almost at that point where I gotta, I gotta do like, this. But I, I like I visibly saw, saw your hairline just right. <laughs> recede to like, a little to, to like LeBron territory. Right, yo, oh. that that shit is that shit is really <laughs> tough. Though. Um. So so I I'll uh, I'll skip around but one part this is directly from EA Sports um from Matt Markow Mar- Mar- he's the Madden competitive gaming commissioner and he says uh during and directly after the competition Chris posted multiple messages on a personal social media account that referenced inappropriate content these posts violated our code of contact code of conduct and don't represent the values of our organization we immediately met with Chris to warn him that his posts were inappropriate and could not continue. Oh my God. Unfortunately, additional oh offensive messages were posted in subsequent days. 
Chris has since removed them. Uh, uh, okay, can, can we stop there for a quick second? <laughs> yes. So this guy said really, really horrible stuff. Right. That wasn't enough for them to do anything. That was enough for them to go up to him and say, "Hey, could you chill on that for a little bit?" Right. Like, like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. That he, pissed me off more than anything. And he yep. was like, "Whatever." And we warned him. We warned him. Right. Right. And he was like, "Whatever. Whatever." You're not gonna Elizabeth Warren me, son. Oh right? shit! So I'm, you know, I'm gonna do, I do what I want. <laughs> his he tweets, persisted. He persisted. <laughs> he persisted right. with oh, his yeah. Negro tweets. Right, right. You know, and so, so uh, Matt continues. Per the Madden challenge, NFL Championship Series code of conduct, the multiple infractions and severity of language are resulting in a deduction in prize money. I'm gonna wait. And a loss of 100 Madden NFL Champion Series points. What the fuck? That's like it's, one point per N-word. Right, right. <laughs> it might be like half a point per N-word. But Depends on how much you count black right. people as points. It's <laughs> right. I mean, three-fifths. Three-fifths three of a fifths point. Three too, too of soon? A Madden, Is that too soon? Oh, three-fifths of a Madden point. Right. <laughs> Is that too soon? So... Um, they, he goes on to say, it's important that we clearly set conduct boundaries to guide our competitors and ensure that promotional and financial opportunities for all parties continue to grow. So um, the the prize money that they deducted will be reinvested into programs to help our players prepare for the exposure that comes with being a, a top level gaming competitor. We understand the spotlight can be difficult. And all Madden NFL Championship Series qualifiers are eligible to participate. Um, and the, he finishes the letter by saying, Chris is a great competitor and champion, and we look forward to seeing him compete at many more events in the future. Thank you for all. Uh, thank you all of all for helping us build a great Madden competitive community. Uh, Matt Marcow, Madden competitive gaming commissioner. So I have strategically left out uh, the amount of the fine. Um, what I didn't realize was that this blatant racist prior to, um, you know, going prior to participating in this event, um, but then after winning the championship, continued on his racist rants, they warned him and then he decided the hell with that I already won. It doesn't matter. I will continue to do whatever it is that I need to do. Then they he has find since him. removed them, though. He has since removed those tweets. Well, well, yeah. I mean, then he removed them, you know, sure. from the internet. Because once you remove something from the internet, it is gone forever. It's so, um, right, right, <laughs> erased from existence. Great, Scott. So, <laughs> the 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 damning thing for me is that they are inviting him to return. Yes. Right. So representing their brands. Right. So he is they are fully acknowledging that he he is okay to be the ambassador for the Madden NFL series, provided he wins going forward. But just don't you know, you could have you could have hate in your heart. Just don't let it out. White power. Um (laughs) but, but so so I know that you guys know what the fine is, but what type of fine, what type of punitive financial punitive damages should do you think should be levied at someone who 
blatantly uh, ascribes to racist uh, and an insightful and, you know, just hurtful language. Umi, umi, pick me, pick me. Oh, umi, go ahead, umi. Ka. Go ahead. Kick that motherfucker to the curb. Take the dough. Take, take all the of it. Belt. Take all take of it. All of it. All of you it. do not get to represent my brand. Mm-hmm. You don't get to walk around saying you're a champion. Right. You don't get to walk around and be happy. Right. You need to be removed from the premises. What what and if be what if ghost? He, what if he I don't care. show contrition? Nope. No. After, you know, they no. approach them and he show contrition. You no. can show. Take your brain. It, if it were one or two tweets. Right. I have said ratchet stuff on the internet. I'm sure, sure if you go back in my tweets, I've said some really right. terrible shit at one point. I'm human. I'm a human being. Right. You can't bust out like machine gun N words and expect people to be like, well, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think he might have switched it up. He maybe After the warning, too. Right. After the warning, too, right. Right. you can't no take every right. drop of that money. Right, take take the belt, have it spin, and take that motherfucker and kick him out. So you so basically, what you're saying is that whatever the financial punitive damages, and I'm not sure if there are punitive damages that aren't financial, but um, so whatever the the damages were, they wouldn't be enough. What, because no, I can because I, I can I can tell you guys. Right now, that it's not a hundred percent of the money. Right. Okay. Right. So, right. so Sharif. Yeah. What would be an acceptable fine for being a flat-out racist? There shouldn't be a fine at all. Right. You forfeit everything for being so, a racist. So they said, as per the code of conduct, this right. adds up to three thousand right. dollars. Oh, what well, yeah, I, I, was, I was saving that. Spoiler alert. I was saving that. I mean, you read it. Oh, oh no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> X thousand dollars. Um, okay, so. Oh, man. Sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> I stepped on your line so hard. I'm very good at this podcasting thing. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There, there is no fine for this. Um, this is bigger than video games, bigger mm-hmm. than sports. This is... This is you have to disassociate from a person like this. They cannot be a part of your brand. They cannot advocate for your brand. This is way beyond playing Madden. This is about a company aligning themselves with someone that clearly has negative views just because they're good at the game. Ain't no race is high enough. Terrible. So, so I think they need to take the L and say, we know you're great, but you can't rock with us. So, Wait, hold on a second. So, so, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, quick question, because I, I think, and this, this is something you can specifically answer, C. Did the, didn't they remove a person from Madden because they were in, uh, like, a player from the game because of spousal abuse or something to that effect? Uh, yes. I think there was someone, They like, he... There was a was it like Ray Rice? Was it Ray Rice? Was he was he playing at the time? Well, oh, and, well, you talking about Ray Rice? Him? Yeah, Ray Rice punches punched his wife in the face and then dragged like, well, her onto yeah. the onto no, the elevator. Well, I know, I know what happened. Right. I'm just saying, like, did they pull him out of the game? Be- oh yes, like, was yes, he- yes. He was no, he wasn't. He wasn't pulled out of the game, but he was yeah. pulled off the roster. He was like, pulled he off was, the roster. He was made inactive, right? And then you could, you know, he was still 
in the game. Yeah, he was in the sure. game because they modeled him and all right, that stuff. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, so, but that's what I mean. But he was he wasn't usable. You, you could you could put him into the game. Okay. So okay, like he was okay, just okay. you know he was deactivated and you could okay. activate him and actually play with him still. Okay. So okay, they didn't okay. like literally remove him from the game. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Got it. Got it. You had, you had you had you had a point. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So so uh, so both of you guys are in agreement that um, that the punitive damages should have been one hundred percent. Yes. So um, as as Reef has already stated, the the damages the fine that was assessed was three thousand um, dollars. That that equates to basically like one and a quarter percent of his winnings. Um, so basically um, any, any white pe- people out there, white pe- folks out there, you can drop hard R and N words. And then, you know, when you do that, just give, give the, the offending black person a um, dollar and a quarter and then say you're even as per the EA rule. Um, Madden rules. Here's a question, though. Yeah. Here's a qu- here's a question for okay. both of you that I think is is pertinent. What if it was a black player who was not using the ER version and using the the the, the A version? Well, so um, be- because so, that could be just as bad. Well, not so, not in the grand scheme, but in the in the sense of like viewability of like you are a person who is now uh, uh, representing our brand, right? And I, how does that how does that play I think itself? It's so right? bad. Right. So Right, me too. Okay. So I've got a lot of I got a lot of thoughts about a lot of this shit. So Go. the 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 first is that the NFL was trying to fan was trying to fan was trying to fine or penalize players right. for using the 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 colloquial N-word. Um I personally I think there are two distinct words that, you know, um the Etymology is is such a beautiful thing that a word can rise from another word and then have its you know and 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 uh, have its own meaning to the point where it no longer even though they sound similar they are two separate words and I think that these n words are are two separate words um, but so the the refs on the field were trying to penalize people with personal foul if they heard someone use the n-word and i think the players association got them to strike it down but it was you know it was one of those things where it's like white players you know certain white players feel like they can't say it so if they can't say it why can why can the black guys you know why can the black players say it um that's a weird thing for me personally i don't think that while I think the fine, I, I think this this fine is even you know to call this a slap on the wrist is to insult slaps on the wrist. Um, <laughs> but but uh, you know I mean this is I mean this is nowhere near um, strong enough of a a penalty on this player to make him feel like maybe he did something wrong or to give uh, the message to people in the future future right that he did something wrong. The the other part of that for me is that had I been had I been EA, I would have fined him a hundred grand. I would have fined him a hundred grand, let him 
deal with the taxes and the fallout of all that other stuff after the fine, I would have called him the champion and I would never invite him back. Um, now I but, think this, I think okay. that, I think that, I think this, this lack of a fine is, is embarrassing. And it's, it's something that, that, uh, EA sports and, you know, Madden specifically, but EA sports overall needs to address why they felt like this fine was, was enough. Yeah. Um, why, why they felt like this was a, a, a fine that was, um, appropriate, but also the fact that they're willing to invite him back to defend his championship shows no one that they actually care about diversity. They care about hate speech. They care about making sure that that most people feel safe in their environment and in their community. And that is that is a shame. That's an atrocity. I think the other part of that 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 actually pissed me off because I really didn't I didn't it didn't come to me until you read it was the fact that they're going to take that three thousand dollars and and I'll read it again. The prize money deducted will be reinvested into programs to help our players prepare for the exposure that right. comes with being a top level gaming competitor. What, does that right. even mean? what the fuck does that even so mean? So what, what that means mean? what that means is if you're a wild racist, don't say racist shit out loud. It's okay that you're racist, but just wait, but, don't but, say it publicly. Uh, and that's but even what, that though. But even that though, the thing that bugs me out is it's 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 even less than that to a certain extent. Because think about it, why should why should there be a pot, a pot of money that's going to be allotted for these for these esports players to to like how much money do you have to get paid to learn how to be a decent human being? That's what I'm. Like, that's my point. It's like there's not enough money that you could set aside that's like, hey, don't say terrible shit on the Internet or in real life. Yeah. Like, don't like that makes no sense to me. That's That's why I feel like one hundred thousand dollars is like, oh, you want a quarter million dollars? Yeah. But actually, after I got fined for being a fucking racist bastard. Um, it was you really one fifty, but I had to pay taxes on that two on the whole two fifty. You and still won money though. Yeah, like there's no but, financial but, solution to this. You but, still won money. So so and that's so this is where this is where we differ. Yeah. I feel like he he earned money because he won the championship. He was the best Madden player. This is um Okay. And and you know, and because he was the best Madden player he gets to win the prize. Now, where I differ from EA is that if you're going to be a crazy fucking racist bastard, Chris Dubby McFarlane, fuck you, um, then then you've got to deal with the consequences, and the consequences should be severe. For that's just not severe, though. right? That's but they, they, severe. they're not severe. They're not severe at all. And that's no, where I, mean, I differ from, no, I mean, from EA. I mean, yours are not severe. Yeah, your your version is not severe either. Uh, well, I, I mean, I think that you know, there's a. I think there's a difference between uh, now. I would say say that he's a champion because he's a champion. He won. I mean, there. Are, I mean, there are plenty of people. Plenty of people that we celebrate um, at at one given moment and find out something despicable about them in the next moment. But it doesn't take away from. It doesn't take away the achievement 
that they had at that particular moment. You know, that makes people, no people, sense to me. people, people understand Bill Cosby very differently today than they did during the 80s. But that doesn't make the Cosby show any less great or important as it was that is then. A terrible analogy. That's a terrible well, analogy. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. A person who won a no. man tournament. No. Well, well I mean, uh, yes. So the, this guy won a fucking video game competition. And, and the Cosby show set the tone of 80s sitcoms and race and television race relations. Yeah, there is no there is no win. Either you win. Like he he can take his win of I beat all the other Madden players exactly. from across he the country and, and put it in his little racist heart and tuck it away mm-hmm. and feel happy with that. You should not one be the face of our Madden championship for a year. You two should not enjoy any of the fruits of that labor monetarily because we're sponsoring it and giving you money and giving you a platform to do so. so EA definitely drop the ball on that give him uh, yes. no money take his belt take his stuff right and and then yeah. expunge his name wipe his name off the freaking thing so that he is never seen or heard from again I, You're yeah that's out. that's where i disagree he forfeited I, his you right forfeit that that's your code of conduct because well, that mean, means your code of conduct doesn't mean anything right well yes i i think i think that that the code of contact code of conduct doesn't mean anything because they only find them three grand um, you know, like they decided, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, we, we found, we found you saying racist shit in the past. You started saying racist shit again after you won. We asked you not to say racist shit and then you did it again. You know, I mean, that spits in the face of EA, but, that spits, but in in your, the, spits in their but, face. But in your scenario, he did all that and he still gets to go home with a thousand with a hundred thousand. Yeah. And, and he gets to go home with all of the recognition of being. A champion, all the branding opportunities, yep, like his face on the website, all that kind of stuff. He doesn't deserve he gets it. Shit. He gets to put that on his LinkedIn. Yeah, I, be I like, just, yo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. I get it. I get it. I just, I disagree with with that because I feel like he earned it, despite the fact that I think he's despicable. I mean, it's just like it's just like the president. You know, I th- I think you know I think he's a racist. You know, I, I, and and just about everyone in his in his cabinet is as well. But he's still the president. He still won. You know, yeah. The the his opponent had three million vote more votes than he did, but he still won. So he's still yeah. the president until he does something dumb enough to get himself impeached. Your so analogies are, are awful this week. I don't think so. Awful this week. So. Well, America's brand so. is America's brand is losing because of it. Right. I don't think so. I I, I think I think that this is. This w- but where we do agree, guys, is that that EA really dropped the ball on this one. Yeah, I think, agreed. You know, that, I mean, that's, agreed on that. We, yeah, I think you know EA really dropped the ball on this one, and and it is it's very difficult as as a person who who buys Madden at least one copy of Madden every year, who buys uh, NHL every year, who buys FIFA every year. Um, it's difficult for me to sit back and look at EA Sports in the same way, if I'm being honest. And, you know, we've got friends that work over there. Um, and, you know, I write for a, a site that's that a big portion of what we do comes from EA Sports. But it, it, it's difficult for me to look at them and, and feel the same way about their content and their products when I know that they're okay with 
this person, whether whether you feel like he shouldn't have won at all or whether you feel like, you know, they didn't they didn't find him enough. The one thing I think we can all agree on is that he shouldn't be openly courted and invited to return yeah. um, that 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 they yeah. shouldn't encourage him to to return um, yeah. as part of their official statement, uh, admonishing him for being a fucking asshole. So, uh, I, I, you know, that part, that part is, is Whew. terrible. Now, what isn't terrible is another sports game, another sports game that has something to do with e, with esports. Uh, some more friends of ours in the industry. Those are the guys over at Visual Concepts 2K, the NBA 2K series. They just announced an esports e NBA e league. With all the E's. Like five times. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you were about to pass out with all the E's. E, E, E. So just announced E-E-E. yesterday between Adam Silver and the... Uh, who was it from... From it was just the NBA and Take Two. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Strauss, Strauss Zelnick. He's the CEO of Take Two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Adam Silver, they, so they're going to have an esports NBA league um, where there are essentially going to be e farm teams for all of the real NBA teams. Uh, I think the first year they're going to try with about sixteen teams. They're going to try and start it next year and uh, or next season, and they're going to have. All of you know all of the teams, but they'll also have a draft. They'll have a playoff system. They'll you know these teams will be in divisions, and then then there'll be a championship, um, where they'll give away prize money. Now, last year the road to the finals, uh, the prize money was two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm not sure if it'll be that much then, um, or you know for these for these seasons. Um, but uh, they're also having another event this All Star All Star Weekend, where um, someone will win another quarter of a million dollars. So I, you know, I think if you guys are paying any attention to what they're doing in in the esports arena, I think it's very very compelling, and I, I really like what's happening here with with uh, this esports. Reef, what do you think about it? I think this is amazing. Um, first of all, I saw this story on ESPN. Right, right. <laughs> Not like tucked away in some like you know other news. This was like on their NBA news page. Right, because the NBA is putting money toward this. Right, so it's amazing. Um, I also think it's great because they said that if they're looking to get half the half the teams in the league with uh, esports teams by 2018. Wow. Right. So they're really setting some pretty lofty goals here. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm just imagining in my head this thing where you're watching a game and all of a sudden, like you're like you're getting updates on an esports game, right. or like ESPN or TNT is switching to these. Maybe maybe Chuck and Kenny and Barkley are commenting on esports games. I mean, this could be huge. Right. Like I'm really excited about this. I feel like this really can elevate esports to a to to be seen as more of a sport by, by people that might not be into gaming now. Um, so I think this is the best possible thing. Um, you know, individually there's been, you know, Rick Fox and Shaq and these other people that have bought teams, but this is like the league, you know, right. putting their money 
behind something. And if, if the league won't wants to do something, it'll stay afloat. I mean, they've kept the WNBA afloat mm, for right. a long time, even though it hasn't, you know, it hasn't made as much money as they wanted it to. Right. So if the league is about this, I think it would be good. If they think it's sort of an experiment and they, I hope they don't like XFL it, expect something so quick out the gate mm. that they just drop it after a year. Right. You know, um, mm. but I think that, you know, both CEOs, you know, putting out a press release and like talking about this, I think they will take it on a serious basis. So I'm super excited about this and I really hope that the coverage of it, um, te- you know, that like I'm seeing this stuff mixed in with actual games and actual like uh, when I'm reading like my recaps and watching like like my video highlights that I see, you know, this stuff in it. Um, the only thing that I hope is that your your esports team, each player on an esports team has to have the characteristics of a player on, on, the, on the actual team. On the actual team. <laughs> so like so like uh, for, for for like my next team, I need a mellow type player. I need a player that's like very offensive, but doesn't give a but like doesn't care about anything else and is beefing with the general manager over uh, Twitter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like so, that's what I need. You know, you got the personality of, of a player on the team. So, funny. <laughs> Kyle, are you are you um, more excited for the Enix or the real Knicks? I'm more excited about the Tunix, right? Because <laughs> that'd be real dope. I just want everyone to wear really dope Roman clothes, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, actually, the thing I'm actually interested to see is less about the actual NBA integration and more about the 2K stuff. Like, what does this mean for the actual game itself? Because okay. we still we're still trying to figure out if with the road to the finals uh, from last year and this year there were there were some there were some issues. Uh, technically, uh, with the way things were working, there were some issues throughout the whole season, and they're still having issues on some ends on just the kind of you know things that we always talk about when it comes to NBA and online plays. Like the infrastructure still seems a little bit rocky in some spots. Right. Um, I wonder if the NBA will be infusing some money into Take Two in that respect and helping that kind of grow so that that foundational so that for that foundation for this esports league is going to be there and solid. Um, so that may be a boon to everybody who plays that game uh, in the long run for everybody. So that may be something that's that's good on that end. Um, I do wonder, though, uh, also as a thing that we see in most esports, how the personalities are going to come out of this out of this league. Uh, that's the thing I'm actually a little bit worried about, because if you've gone on Twitch and watch people who play NBA 2K, whoo boy. Right. Well, going back to going back to the previous Ooh, story. That exactly. is that is something that they're yeah. going to have to make sure, yes. um, because you know, kind of the 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 the, uh, the example that you gave, the scenario you gave, there are a lot of NIGGA mm-hmm. bombs, mm-hmm. yep, uh, being used, uh, colloquial yes. M bombs, yes. uh, just in the way that people speak, and you know, and let's be frank, um, a, a lot of the players that are uh, are playing. Um, NBA basketball, video game basketball are people of color. So you yeah, know, that's what you got to watch out for. It's right. not just about the best players. It's about the best players that can adhere 
sure. to the code of conduct of sure. representing this brand. Sure. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the the, the it's funny because we're talking. You know, we've been talking about vetting in the past month. Right. Uh, when it comes vetting. to extreme, extreme vetting, right. there will be extreme vetting, especially because the the interesting thing is, of all the the folks who were who got named in this particular article, uh, Rick Fox. If you've seen some of the stuff that he's been doing on his end, he is really, really serious about the esports game. Mm-hmm. And he looks at his players as family members. He's like bringing those cats in, having their parents sign contracts like, yo, I'm taking care of your child for this particular amount of time so that they can focus on being an esports champion in the games that they're playing, which is really cool. Yeah. It's really it's really dope to see him like go, you know, whole hog on all this stuff. I do worry, though. That in the same thing we've seen in the fighting game community, that there will be some stuff and they're going to have a lot of growing pains. And I wonder if there isn't enough people who get through that vetting, if that doesn't slow down the process and maybe makes the and the NBA pull back a little bit and say, you're not ready yet for this stuff. It's going to it's going to it's like the Jackie Robinson thing. It's like you got to get the best cats on the planet to be your first initial uh, folks to jump in. Yeah. And then we'll see how things actually play themselves out and see if it becomes one. Right. Right. (laughs) You're going to need like, right. You're going to need a whole bunch of Obamas. Right. But so (laughs) the, the one thing that I will say that, um, that NBA has going or 2k has going for it is 2k TV. And as a result of 2K TV, first off, they, you know, they really they do a, a fantastic job of promoting their tournaments and all of the different things that that they're doing throughout the course of the year uh, mm-hmm. to lead up to the all star event that they're having in a couple of weeks or in a week. Um, but but in addition to that, what what happens as a as a healthy byproduct is that lots of team captains get interviewed by mm. by Rachel, by Rachel Demita. Shout out to Rachel um, of Shout NBA uh, TV, 2K TV. Yeah. And, and uh, so these people have, as a result, have learned the cadence, you know, because, uh, you know, even the people that aren't being interviewed by Rachel are watching 2K TV. So mm. they understand how people speak, and what you're, you know, what kind of what you're supposed to say when you're on camera, when you're doing these types of things. And, and of course, in the heat of a game, you kind of forget that you're on TV or you forget that you're being recorded. And, and you know, you either have to remind yourself or have people on hand to remind you that this is happening, kind of like what happened at the Road to the Finals event uh, last June. Um, so and that definitely did happen. So I, I think they're better positioned to kind of make that to make that transition less bumpy than than we're kind of uh, alluding to right now. The other thing that I, I, I want to say that I think is really important to mention is that this partnership solidifies 2K's dominance as the premier NBA game. Now, um Quite frankly, they're the only NBA to, you know, NBA game, because as the other thing that we learned this this week was that NBA Live has officially been canceled um, for okay. this for this year. But, it, you know, I mean, let's read between the lines, guys. It was a great run. Um, but that but that franchise is dead. No, 
Uh, that franchise is dead. It's not coming no, back. It's I don't at want least it to die. right. At least at least not in the way that we know it to be right now. Uh, Bulls maybe, versus Blazers coming back. Right. That's maybe there saying. will be. It can't die. Right. Maybe there will be a uh, a new NBA game from EA at some point in the future. Um, but we, you know, it 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 won't be a competitor to the NBA 2K series. Um, this, I think, this partnership really kind of solidifies that there's only one game in town. Um, you know, and 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 kudos to to Visual Concepts, kudos to to 2K um, and Take Two because they were able to essentially give themselves the exclusivity contract without having to pay for it. Yeah. In the in the same way that EA did with with the NFL license, and uh, you know EA spent a lot of money. EA Sports spent a lot of money to secure the exclusive uh, rights to to produce NFL football, and then they paid even more money to keep them. So yeah. uh, you know, two K Take Two has been able to do that with the NBA Two K series without having to pay for that exclusivity. They just went out and every and year after year they busted their ass to make a game that was better than their game the year before. So, um I mean, I I just me. think it's really sad, man, because, you know, as as Kai said, like, you know, Bull versus Blazers, Lakers versus Bulls. Sure. You know, those were the first simulation basketball games that I played. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't count Jordan versus Bird as a simulation. No, no, because it was one on one. Um, but, but uh, you know, the, the only thing that wasn't simulation about Bulls versus uh, Blazers was that you Thunder had Dan Marley special moves. Yes, yeah, that's um, true. So, like Larry Bird had this turnaround three that I think, <laughs> I think he worst. never missed if you hit it. Um, but my favorite was that Patrick Ewing would bounce the ball off the ground and then catch it in the air and yes. dunk it. Yes, yep. which I don't think I've ever seen him do in a game before. But <laughs> nope, you know, even when his knees were good, right? Um, but yeah, man, I really, I mean, I want more basketball games. So I don't know if like EA needs to go back to the EA Big kind of style, like the yes, NBA Street that's stuff. What they like, need to do like like they need to add something different because right. I think see, you're right in terms of in terms of a simulation, authentic, you know, uh, game. I think I think 2K has it. Yes. But I think that there's still options to have different kinds of basketball games. Oh, yeah, there's like, definitely room you know? for it. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, like, I even think of, you you, you, you know, like how, like, um, I think uh, I heard that MLB The Show um, is going to have some more arcade Right, there's a retro with, mode. With with the iconography Jr. stuff, right. you know? Right. So, like, EA can do something like that to differentiate themselves. Um they need something, man. Like sure. I, I want there to be more basketball games than one. And if you should play three on three or you on PS4, it's really good. I, I could do that. Uh, yeah. So yes, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. But so. I, I, I will say that I am very, very excited to see what comes of this, um, actual NBA E League, um, and 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 not only. What what comes of it in in terms of the games, but how it's presented? Because I yes. think that gives you know there is an opportunity right there, and and 
presentation wise, I think uh, 2K does a fantastic job. I really enjoy virtual Kenny and, and Shaq and Ernie Johnson um, to to be able to do expound on that um, even further or to expand it even further to include stuff in in the esports arena to have that kind of uh, presentation, I think will be really, really exciting. I just really want them to implement that Japanese LED floor yeah. that I saw some, some months back. So yeah, please that, make that happen. Make that, that happen, too, k So uh, we are at the end of episode 150. Uh, damn, that was some great stuff, y'all. That yeah. was some really good conversation. Yeah, we got some, so. we got some love. We got some hate. We got some fun. We got some fight. That was good. That was real good. Um, see, let everyone at home know what the social media business is before we get up out of here. No Donald Trump this week. Thank uh, God. <laughs> I guess he's off. Yeah, he's he won, he's fighting on, the courts. He's in, yeah, he's on vacation. Oh. He's uh, I'll you know, see you in court. He's uh, tweeting at so-called judges. Um, if you mm-hmm. want to tweet at. Uh, great members of Chicago, you need to go to at spawn on me. Um, and if you want to tweet us at us individually, you can find us in the bios. Go right there. Uh, Facebook, find us facebook.com slash group slash spawn on me, I think is is the right thing. Uh, you know, we're spawn on me on all social media platforms. Uh, go to iTunes, find the spawn on me podcast, uh, download it, subscribe, rate it, review it, tell your friends. Uh, tell them all, even the racists, uh, tell them they can come here and, uh, you know, we can set them straight, find them $3,000 um, and keep it moving. Uh, <laughs> go to go to our website, uh, spawnon.me, um, and you can find this show and all our previous shows, all our archives, find out what else we're doing and uh, where where you can find us. Uh, if you want to email us, go to uh, spawn on me podcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a message there. Uh, and, you know, if you don't use iTunes, we are on NPR one uh, and we're on just about all of your favorite podcatchers. So uh, make sure you find us. Uh, and we love you all. That's about it. Big word. Right. Bigly, bigly. Uh, if you happen to be in the San Francisco area during GDC, yes. Uh, if you are there on the second of March, which is a, th- I'm sorry, second, yeah, second of March, which is a Thursday, yes. And want to come see me host the Blacks and Gaming event, yes. The Fireside Chats. Um, definitely come by. There's an Eventbrite page that we'll be posting in the show notes and also on our Facebook page and on Twitter. Uh, you'll be able to see me, Gordon Bellamy. Uh, Tramel, Tramel Isaac uh, from Boss Key, uh, Tanya DePass, yes. our friend Tanya DePass uh, from I Need Diverse Games, and some other folks as well who we'll be able, all be talking about, uh, kind of sharing some light on what we do here and what they do in the industry and kind of help out the folks uh, who are trying to learn. Right. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, more details to come. Um, and if you are in that area, please come by and say hello. Uh, and until then, uh, you know, thank you again, everybody in Chicago for, for hanging out with us. It is our pleasure to do this for you and with you. Uh, and we hope to see you back here next week uh, for this one on me podcast. So we're going to get up out of here. We will say peace. Peace. 150 time. Peace.